0: There's so many layoffs happening. And in that moment, you just feel completely broken and you feel like you've lost control because something mm-hmm. happened to you. And I think that's where, for me, this was when I made the decision to, to change my career and to make a big switch into tech. And that was my way of taking control of the story was that I, I was in a career that I was good at. I was well-connected. I knew that I, that was kind of my easy button was going back to that career. But I wanted, I didn't want this just to be a negative story of something that happened to me. I wanted this to be the moment where I took control, where I took the story back and found a career and an industry that I was passionate about and that I loved.
1: Hey friends, welcome to another episode of Beyond the Job Title podcast. I'm your host, Cesar Romero, and in this podcast, we share the journeys of successful, underrepresented tech professionals with the goal to inspire you and bring you the mentorship and resources that you need to advance your career. My guest for this episode is Julie Fo. Julie is a senior manager of customer success for Flowcast, the leading provider of accounting workflow automation software built by accountants for accountants she was also recognized as a top 25 creative customer success leader in 2023 and she is passionate about mentoring and helping people with their own personal and professional growth and in this episode we dive deeper into her transition into tech and we talk about why it's important to have a growth mindset in everything you do Her career transition overcoming imposter syndrome the power of having mentors and receiving feedback and so much more thank you so much for joining us and I hope that Julie's story of resilience and growth resonates with you as much as it did with me and as always if you have any feedback suggestions or requests for future episodes please feel free to reach out I value your input and the goal is to deliver content that provides value to you now Here's my conversation with Julie Fox. So Julie, welcome uh, to the show. I'm excited to to have you here and, and dive deeper into, into your story. And I wanted to start off with uh, one of your pivotal moments before you made that pivot into tech. And you wrote about this on your LinkedIn profile about, you know, you were on maternity leave and... This was supposed to be a moment where you connect, you know, with your child and take a moment to be with your family, but then you, you found out that you were essentially getting let go, right? getting laid off. And walk us through that moment? What was, what did you feel like in that moment? And, and, you know, what were some of the things that, that came out for you as, you, as this unfolded?
0: Sure. Honestly, this is one of those moments that I feel like has made its way into my core memories because I I remember the moment when it happened. I remember exactly what I did after it happened. And I just remember in that moment, just feeling completely defeated. And I I was mad. I was angry and I'm not an angry person. And I remember talking to my husband and one of the first things that he said, because I'm sitting there in the parking lot, just crying and telling him what happened. And I remember him asking me some key questions. And one of the things he said was, you know, are you crying and upset because your feelings are hurt or are you crying and upset because you're really upset about losing this job? And I realized that I, it wasn't a career. It wasn't a job that I was overly passionate about or that I loved. I, my feelings were hurt. I was frustrated and I was embarrassed. I was sad about the situation I was mad about the timing that it happened because like you said, it was maternity leave. This was supposed to be my time for my body to heal, for me to take care of my family and for me to immerse myself in this new world that I was coming into as a second time mom For through that experience. And mm-hmm. I felt like that was being taken away from me. And it was through a lot of conversations and reflection and I, a lot of, I guess, advice also from other people. I had a lot of people that immediately, I mean... As mad as I was, I feel like my family was even madder maybe. And everybody kept saying, you know, you need to take legal action. You need to deal with it in this way. And I just felt so overwhelmed by the concept of that. Because as a recovering newer mom, having just recently given birth, it, that I only had so much energy. I was giving and needed to give energy to my family and mm-hmm. to my new son. I needed to put energy into my future of what am I going to do? What is my future going to look like? And I felt like going down a big legal battle or something like that, the only thing that was going to do was kind of keep me stuck in the past. Mm -hmm. And so it was through that, that I really kind of made this decision of, you know what, I want to put my energy into right now and into my future. And I'm going to move forward. And I, I really needed to take control of the story. I needed something positive to come out of this experience. And I think that's something that a lot of people can resonate with right now, that there's so many layoffs happening. Mm -hmm. And I mean, it is it is devastating. And in that moment, you just feel completely broken and you feel like you've lost control because something Mm -hmm. happened to you. And I think that's where, for me, this was when I made the decision to, to change my career and to make a big switch into tech. And that was my way of taking control of the story, was that I... I was in a career that I was good at. I was well connected. I knew that I, that was kind of my easy button was going back to that career.
1: Mm. But I
0: wanted, I didn't want this just to be a negative story of something that happened to me. I wanted this to be the moment where I took control, where I took the story back and found a career and an industry that I was passionate about and that I loved. And immediately I had this gut that I wanted to get into tech. And it's interesting because I had been in commercial real estate where I had been interacting with tech companies as my Mm. customers. And so I had been in their spaces. They're really, I mean, this was pre-COVID. So the very fun, exciting energy and and cultures that I would kind of walk into. I don't know if I knew that much about what the tech world was, other than they had really cool office space. And Mm -hmm. I Mm -hmm. knew that it was just kind of this there was this buzz, this energy and Mm -hmm. excitement in these spaces that I would walk into that it wasn't just cool furniture and cool ceiling treatments. It was the people were excited, happy and I I just I wanted to be a part of that. And so the more that I looked into it, the more that I learned about the tech community and the tech world, what really drew me in was the level of innovation. So Mm
1: -hmm.
0: what I found in it and it wasn't just the innovation of the product. I mean, that is, I mean, I guess that by by definition, almost the definition of tech is that it's constantly evolving. It's constantly innovating. And I I liked that because I do like the idea of that constant, constantly striving for better and refinement and kind of you're constantly going after something. You, you never kind of, you're never exactly going to reach it. And so that part was inspiring to me. But what I really, especially I think was drawn towards was the innovation of the people. So this idea and mindset that there was so much development around the teams and the people. And you look at how tech does sales, how tech does
1: yeah.
0: HR or customer success. And it is it is unlike any other industry, because I think it's really, there's such a point to developing people and coaching them. And again, you're never going to get to a point to where you're like, "All I've done it. I'm here. I'm the best I can be. You're going to keep getting feedback. You're going to keep evolving and keep taking on new challenges. And I think that part was really inspiring to me.
1: So many avenues I'm going to take here, but one thing I want to mention uh, or echo is that doesn't matter what happens to you, you know, despite the setbacks, we always have the power to give meaning to it, right? Uh, To decide if this is going to serve me or hurt me. And I think it's so valuable that when, what you mentioned, but you, you decided, you know what, I'm going to use this as a stepping step in stone into the next step in my career and and not let it slow you down. It, and that's so important for people to remember, especially in this economy where, you know, things are tough out there.
0: You Yeah, always... I think it's easy to feel like the victim. It's easy to feel like these things mm-hmm. are happening to you. And one thing that I can say as somebody that, you know, I've worked for many different companies and truly all of my experiences the good and the bad they've made me better they've made Mm -hmm. me who I am and I think that's something that maybe comes with time or honestly maybe maturity but getting to that realization that I can go through really hard things and I'm going to be better for it Mm -hmm. I think that to me has kind of shifted my mindset from being this victim mentality to really more of that growth mindset of you know throw it at me. Whatever you've got, I can take it. I whatever the challenge is, I'm going to it may be hard in the moment, but I'm going to get through this and I'm going to learn, I'm going to grow along the way, and I'm going to be better for it. And I think that's where for me, these types of experiences really have been transformative in my life, not just professionally, but even as a mom of how can I get through tough stuff that happens? How can I get through the ups and the downs of life in general and recognize that it's, these aren't things that just happen. These are things that help build you and shape you.
1: How did you decide on customer success? And do you still think that people into tech or getting into tech is, is a good idea considering, you know, the, the current state of of tech right now?
0: Yeah, I, I love that question. I guess I'll answer the second question first. I cannot imagine anything else. I... I live and breathe tech and the customer success community in this world. And it's, I have found a part of myself and I, I truly can't imagine doing anything else. And it's interesting because I work with a company. We, we serve accountants that our customers are often accountants or an accounting industry. And so we often hire people with that background. So instead of hiring people from customer success, we hire CPAs controllers mm-hmm. different levels and i feel like i have a lot of people that are through the interview process are kind of vetting this out and trying to figure out you know this is a change in my career is this something that i i could see myself doing or you know is this going to hurt me if i go off of my current career path into something new and for me taking that leap of faith coming into the world of customer success It truly changed me. I mean, it it just kind of opened up my eyes to a whole different world. And so Mm -hmm. it's definitely something that I know we're going through challenging times. I, I I won't sugarcoat that. It is a tough world out there in the tech community, but I think that's where resilience is created. I think that's where people that are able to kind of work through this and make it through and continue to stay in tech will be better for it. Absolutely. As for finding customer success, oh man, my journey... To get into tech was hard. So I made that, as I mentioned before, I made this decision and I was mm-hmm. adamant about it. I was going to get into tech. And as I alluded to, I didn't really know what that meant. I didn't have contacts or people that could pave the way for me or make introductions. And so that journey of finding a job in tech, it wasn't easy. It's not like I just made the decision and all of a sudden had interviews lining up and people were begging me to join their teams. and Right. It's interesting because I feel like that that was frustrating to me because I came from a job where I was a VP of services. I had previously been a director of operations and I felt like I had kind of earned, I had gotten to, I don't know if earns is the right word, but I'd gotten to a certain point in my career and I felt like making this transition was going to be easier for some reason. And it wasn't. Everybody kept saying, you know, to get into tech, you need tech experience. And that It just doesn't make sense. How do you do that? I I need somebody to take a chance on me so I can get tech experience. And through that, I spent a lot more time networking and talking to people and getting to know them and understanding what their roles were, what drives them, what makes them happy, what they like most about their role, what they don't like and and all that stuff than I did actually interviewing for companies. Because I really didn't know what I wanted to do. And I didn't want to, my concern was or my fear was that I would interview for the perfect company in the perfect role, maybe even. And somebody would ask me what I want to do. And I wouldn't have a strong enough answer because I would be like, I don't know, I can do anything. Just, you know, put me in coach, just give me a chance. And by being that generalist that they would be turned off and I wouldn't have a chance. And so
1: mm-hmm. I,
0: I really spent a lot of time getting to know and understanding and trying to figure out what type what size and stage and product or industry I wanted to work in within tech, as well as finding the role of customer success in that segment. And truly, it was through a mentor. It was through a mentoring conversation where I was talking to somebody and they were almost interviewing me, asking me a bunch of questions around what I enjoyed most about my past experiences and what I didn't like, what motivates me, all of those types of questions. And it was maybe in those last five minutes of the conversation where they said, hey, you need to get into customer success. And candidly, I didn't know what customer success really was at the time. I, my brain translated to customer service and I, that was something that I had not explored and uh, honestly wasn't overly interested in. And so Mm -hmm. I looked into it and the more that I learned, the more that I fell in love with it. And that really helped once I was able to narrow the search of, okay, this is it. This is specifically what I'm looking for. Again, it still wasn't easy. My first company that I worked with in customer success, they they actually denied me numerous times. And it was through that that I was really able to show definitely a high level of resilience and creativity. But it was kind of through that that I feel like I, I became more and more sure of what I wanted to do and who I wanted to do it with. And it was through that experience that ultimately they were by the timing in the stars lined where I was able to join their team.
1: What is one of the most creative things that you did to stand out?
0: Oh my. Okay. So the very first time that I reached out to this company that I wanted to work for, I at first applied for a non-customer success role because it mm-hmm. was a, this was prior to that conversation where I had found customer success. So first step was I applied to a sales role. Mm -hmm. And immediately, I mean, within probably a day, got the the dreaded rejection email. And Mm -hmm. so I was frustrated because at this point I had I kind of had this company on a pedestal because Mm -hmm. I had talked to a couple of people through networking and and everybody that I talked, I kept hearing this name pop up. And so I knew that it was a really interesting and innovative company that I wanted to work for. And I just wanted to get I wanted to get my foot in the door in some way or another. And so Again, I felt I, I guess to backpedal. So I got the rejection and I got back on LinkedIn, started kind of scouring and figuring out do I have any connections? Is there anybody that I know? I didn't. So I ran across an e- a article that the CEO had written and it was about um, mindset coaching and something that they do at their company. And, and it really intrigued me. And so I reached out to the CEO and referenced the article, was talking through kind of my own experiences, and different things, and mentioned to him and let him know that, hey, I recently applied and there wasn't a cover letter. There wasn't an ability to attach to a cover letter. So I, I ignored the fact that I was rejected. I just said, hey, I recently applied. I'd like to share a cover letter. Who should I share this with? And so he gave me the email of somebody I sent the cover letter and that was kind of what started that. That was, I guess, step one of the creativity of at least getting me to an interview. And then once I started talking to them, they were very kind, but they were very open with me that they were, it was a newly forming customer success team. So they were very young and they really needed somebody that had the experience of building out a customer success team and department. And that wasn't me. I I had no experience. And so they let me know that the timing wasn't right and everything. Mm-hmm. And I think through that, that's where I'd say the next level of creativity started coming in where I just was absolutely relentless. So if they said no to me, I would immediately follow up with different questions of what can I do differently or what type of experience do I need? And what I found was that they truly they needed somebody that had a specific experience because mm-hmm. they were earlier stage. And so instead of just saying, okay, goodbye, I'll maybe we'll cross paths someday in the future. I remember responding to them in a way that said, hey, you are my dream company. I am not going to go away. I'm going to keep (laughs) coming back. And so I said, you know, I'm happy to go to a different company and get the experience that I need so that I can ultimately come back here. Or are there any other roles within your company that I could potentially get my foot in the door, start getting experience and learning the product and the industry and learning about your customers with the hope of ultimately pivoting into customer success. And so that was something that I just kind of kept giving them different options of, hey, would you consider this or different things and just letting them know that again, I'm not going anywhere. I'm I'm going to I'm going to keep coming back and then ultimately I did get a job at another company And this is not a story that I'm particularly proud of, but it was the right thing to do ultimately for my career. But I I got a job at another company and it wasn't in a customer success role. It was kind of got my foot in the door with a sales team. Mm -hmm. And when I got that job, I immediately reached out to the company that I was kind of that pedestal company that I wanted to work for. And I reached back out to them and said, hey, you're going to see on LinkedIn that I got a new job. I'm ex- I've accepted this. I'm going to this team. And I said, I just want to remind you that this doesn't let you off the hook. I'm doing this so that I can ultimately come, come to your team. And just kind of send that one last, one last try. And about a month later, that I, after I was into this new company, the, one of the co-founders reached out to me of the other company and said, hey, you're going to kill mm-hmm. me. I know this is terrible timing, but we're ready for you now. Is, are you interested in talking to us? And I was just so embarrassed to go to this new team and explain to them. And But I I was honest with them and and let them know that ultimately it wasn't the right fit and it's better for us to part ways sooner than later. Obviously, the longer time just would only make it harder. So, again, that was what eventually led me into this role. And I started as an individual contributor and then was able to work my way up and, and improve myself over time.
1: I love that. Where does your drive and relentlessness come from? Because, you know, it takes a very driven and relentless individual to go through rejection after rejection, after challenge, after hurdle, especially in this current twenty twenty three economy. And where does that come from?
0: It's a good question. And I don't know if I know the answer to that, honestly. I think some of it is who I am innately. I think some of that has been built over years of experiences and possibly even just how I was raised. I, I think I was raised in a family that that really encouraged participation and excellence and really giving it my all throughout kind of childhood and through high school and sports and different things like that. So I, I do think that some of those experiences really shaped me.
1: So one, one of the other. Most common challenges when someone wants to pivot into any career, into any industry, is imposter syndrome, right? It's like the, that feeling of, man, I'm, I'm not good enough, you know? And I wanted to ask you, you know, what, what are your thoughts on imposter syndrome? And if you had someone, you know, someone in the audience that might be looking to pivot, whether it to tech or another industry or another career, and they're experiencing that imposter syndrome in a way. Advice would, would you offer them?:
0: I think imposter syndrome, I mean, it, it's very real. It's something that I think most people can say at some point of their journey they've felt. I have felt it numerous times, and for me, what I have I guess found, especially as I've grown in my career and grown as a leader, is that this is going to sound a little bit weird, but we're all somewhat imposters. Nobody knows exactly what they're doing or has all the answers. And I think when I started to realize that like that was the reality, and that's okay, that's when I stopped feeling imposter syndrome, because earlier in my career or earlier in my journey, especially being a newer leader, I really felt like I had to have all the answers, and I felt like an imposter because I didn't have them. right now I know I don't have the answers, and I recognize that's part of being human, that's part of being a leader is going into these unknown territories and figuring it out. And the first thing you try may not work, but you have to learn from it and you have to be agile and be open to feedback and moving fast in order to continue to learn and grow from these experiences. But I think that's where something that could have felt like a weakness at one point, could have felt like, okay, I don't have all the answers. This makes me less than. I think being able to understand that it doesn't make you less than and it's more so how you deal with that. Do you, you know, early in my career, if I didn't know the answer, I would go straight to Google. I still go to Google often, but I would try to shoulder it all on my own. I'd try, I, I would, I never wanted to anybody to see me sweat. And so it was like, okay, let me figure this out on my own and then I'll just do it on my own. and And that's completely opposite from what I do now. Now, if I don't know the answer, I'm loud about it. I am talking to people and really leaning into the customer success community and i've met so many people in that way where i'm reaching out to them and saying hey i'm trying to solve this or my team is struggling with this how do you handle that or mm-hmm. just reaching out to people that i respect and and getting their opinion and learning from other people's experiences is how i've been able to flip imposter syndrome into something that that i really think is a strength of mine which is leaning on my community and leaning on outside resources and creative thinking so that I don't have to figure it out all on my own.
1: Not that. When you went the, the transition sure. from being an individual contributor to a, a leadership position, what, was there any trade-off that you had to make uh, sure. when, when it came to how you approached the, the work?
0: Yes, I, I, I think so. I think that when you are an individual contributor, You are spending a certain amount of time doing, I guess, being proactive or doing things that that you want to do, things that get you excited. But you're spending a lot of time doing things that other people are telling you you need to do. And I think that was probably one of the harder transitions for me was putting the time in of really understanding what the current processes were and why and living through them before I started providing my feedback, because I was Mm -hmm. somebody who I wanted to just quickly say, Hey, have you guys considered this? What about this? Can I try this? And first of all, that's just a little bit annoying when somebody comes in immediately trying to change everything, but it's also not fair. And it wasn't, it wouldn't be fair to me or to our customers for me to just immediately try to blow things up. And I needed that time of living in the role and being in the role in order Mm -hmm. to understand how the team worked, how our different interactions and the cross-functional interactions were with our customers. And so I think that was a struggle for me. And I think, again, that imposter syndrome of just not knowing all the answers. And I came from a space where I felt like I kind of knew all the answers and where I Mm -hmm. felt like I... I had a pretty good sense of what to do and why and and how to do it. And I mean, I even years into customer success still, I think that's hard to go into constantly new territories where there's no playbook for this. And even if there was, it's probably not going to work because every company and every team and industry is different. So it truly, what works for one person may not work for me or may not work for my team. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's been definitely a learning lesson in being able to be okay, I guess, with that feeling.
1: Yeah, absolutely. One one thing I just remember and I want to make sure we, we covered this because that stood out to me when I was doing a bit of research on your profile. The way I understand it, right? Your first year in tech, that first job, you took a pay cut to join the company because whatever, right? Your lack of experience in tech. But what you did differently is that you created this, I guess you would call it a growth plan. And that is unheard of, right? I, I don't think I know a lot of people that would be so proactive in, in hey, okay, I know I'll take a big cut, but here's my plan on how to get to the next level. And yeah, where where did that come from? And you know, what was your approach to pitch it? And yeah, I'm very curious about that.
0: Yeah, I I love that. So, this is actually something I've done throughout my career a few times is Mm -hmm. when, not necessarily even when I'm taking a step back or a pay cut or something, but just as I'm going into a new opportunity, I know myself, I have big dreams. I have very big ambitions of what I want, of the impact that I want to have at any company and just Mm -hmm. in general in my career. And with that, I like to look a step ahead or multiple steps ahead of, hey, here's where I'm going to start, but here's where I want to go or here's Mm -hmm. where I believe I can go. And I think that is something that starts and is part of the interview process. But as I definitely in the negotiating or as I'm accepting a job, there are times where in in the instance that you referenced where I was taking a pay cut and I was going from being a executive to now being an individual contributor in a a new industry and in a, a new world. And I really didn't have any, I guess, negotiating power because I hadn't proven myself. I, they, I, this is completely new to me. And I recognize that. But at the same time, I knew my worth and I knew the value that I would be able to provide them ultimately. And not to say that it was gonna be necessarily day one, but I knew that ultimately, I would be able to have a larger impact. And so that was a conversation that that I had that I guess in lieu of traditional negotiating, Really, to have a conversation around my growth trajectory and plans, as well as you know, how do I get there? And one of the best ways that you can get there is not only by being loud and noisy and saying, "Hey, here's what I want, where I want to go," and, and having that conversation up front, but it's also by getting feedback. And I knew that I wouldn't be able to get to where I wanted if I wasn't getting the feedback that I needed from My leadership, and so that was something that we came up with a plan of
1: Mm
0: -hmm. how, you know, I just had questions and talked to them about, you know, how often, what is your typical review cycle with employees, and so it was more of an annual cycle, and so I was like, Mm -hmm. okay, what can, how can we create our own so that I have ability and access to, to get a more formal review, and be able to get that type of feedback more often so that if I'm doing something that's not getting me on the right path I want to know that immediately I would like let me keep let me at least move in the right direction and so I think that was a really important part of it was just having a conversation around not just where I wanted to go but also how I would get there and being able to receive feedback and it's something that I'd say most leaders would respond to that saying you know, we'll have weekly one-on-ones or bi-weekly or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And, you know, feedback's important to us. So you will, you'll receive feedback in the moment, real time. But what I have found in reality is that not all leaders are great at providing feedback and they're not, it, it's not to their fault. Maybe, they, maybe they've never been trained on it. Maybe they've never been coached on how to provide feedback or how to professionally develop teams. Mm-hmm. And so that was something that I really wanted to take into my own hands of, having not just a more formal review cycle, but also creating that that plan for myself of kind of the 30, 60, 90, hey, here's what I'm gonna do. Here's what I'm gonna accomplish. And being able to show them, hey, I'm doing it, or hey, here's where I'm here's where I've started to pivot. You know, I originally said I was going to spend a lot of time here and I really found that I'm needed here. And being able to check in with my leadership to say, is that okay? How do you feel about this? Is Am I prioritizing appropriately? And I think just being able to make sure that where I was spending my time and energy was in a way that was benefiting the larger customer base as well as the larger company and team is what helped lead to that fast growth. Because it it wasn't just hey, how can I be the best at my job, but it was more so because if anything, that may have kept me in the individual contributor world a little bit longer because they're like, wow, you're really good at this. Keep going, and you know we'll keep giving you promotions and raises in that world, but I really wanted to show them that I could have an impact that would be more strategic, more uh, transformational to the customer base and to the company.
1: It's it's very important, right? And you're right. You know, most of us are not taught how to give it and and how to receive it as well. How do you define feedback? Any advice on how to take or, or how to give feedback that is
0: Yeah, absolutely. So I I think there is, with anything, there's coaching to be had on it. And that's something that I am very grateful that I was with companies that that did invest in teaching leaders and teaching teams how Mm -hmm. to both give and receive feedback, because it's not something that is, this isn't a conversation just for the leaders that are listening. This is a conversation for everybody. truly as even a peer-to-peer, being able to give feedback, being able to receive feedback is really important. And that's what sets apart people that are good versus people that are exceptional, right. being able to be coachable and being able to lean into that feedback. And so I learned there were a couple different methodologies that I guess over the years I've learned. I think the biggest part of it, it, it doesn't necessarily matter which methodology you're following. It's more so that you're having a conversation with your team about giving and receiving feedback and building out that culture from the beginning and helping them understand that this is coming out of a place of good. This is truly coming out of a place of care of, hey, I care about you so deeply that I want you to be your best. Because I care, I'm going to push you. I'm going to give you feedback and and I'm, I'm going to continue to help you improve and, and coach you and and we may have some uncomfortable conversations or uncomfortable kind of mock calls or things like that. But it's I would rather have those uncomfortable call or conversations one on one than with a customer or something where where you're going down a path and continuing to do something and in a that isn't helping you be your best. So I think that's a lot of it is just kind of having the conversations with your team and understanding the why behind the feedback of, you know, this isn't just something that we do because we're checking a box, but we're doing it because it comes out of a place of care and because we want to help our people be their best.
1: Love that. Julie, what are some of the the trends in tech and customers that you're paying attention to that, that you're tracking in, or perhaps, right, something that most people are overlooking that maybe they should be paying attention to?
0: So I have spent a lot of time and energy, definitely in the last many months, on the topic of scaling and digital CS. Mm -hmm. And it's something that I think I took for granted at my last company because we truly built with scaling in mind from the beginning. And so even as a smaller team, we were pretty quickly building out our processes and templates and our ops teams in, in a way that helped support future scaling as well as our education to our customers, and both internally and externally, and our community. And at my current company, we we have a world-class team. We are absolutely exceptional at what we do, but so much of it is dependent on one-to-one interactions. And so that's where mm. I have just become obsessed with the topic of, how do we scale this? How do we Mm -hmm. Not just say, hey, how can we digitize this? How can we pull back humans? But hey, how can we actually really put the focus on improving the customer experience by helping bring them together? How can we bring our customers together in a meaningful way that not only alleviates our team because it's less one-to-one meetings and more of bringing customers together, but actually is beneficial to our customers because they're interacting with each other. They're learning from each other and able to kind of grow that community in that way. And as I look at the digital side of things, this isn't a, I'm I'm not looking at this from like our lowest ARR customers or pay what customers don't need a person. It's really what are the things that we're doing today and how can we build out the resources and how can we anticipate these triggers or these moments that could happen or what could go wrong and how could we actually prevent them from going wrong in the first place how could we stop the cycle by really creating resources and content and in digital motions to get in front of the the things that we know are going to happen and so I think that's been it's been a really exciting challenge for me because I, I am still managing my team and kind of working with them in that way. But also almost, I refer to these sometimes as my beta test is where like my, my team, we're constantly trying new things and really getting creative and getting, thinking outside the box of what the current process is or how we're currently doing things and starting to peel back of, hey, how can we do th- How can we scale this? How can we do this in a different way that better serves our customers? And also allows for our team to be more effective with maybe n- not necessarily fewer resources, but just different resources.
1: Yeah, that's how you stay on top of the game, right? Especially with everything that's happening with AI and, and all the advances in technology, right? How can you leverage that to better serve customers? And I'm a big fan of Jay Nathan and, and what they're doing with the game or retain community. You know, there are big. Proponent of digitizing, you know, customer success, and uh, yeah, I know, mean, that's I think that's where it's heading. right? If you want to get a um, attention in the industry,
0: yeah, it's really interesting to me because I, I would say if you asked me a few years ago, I would have thought that digital CS was, I mean, the way that it was, I guess, being done or the where the focus was. If you gave me a choice of, okay, Julie, you can either lead enterprise level teams, or you could build out digital (laughs) CS and and different scaling motions. I would be like, oh my gosh, I want enterprise. That is, that to me felt like the more specialized uh, thing just because it was like, okay, I want to be working with our highest ARR customers. And I want to be able to really impact them in this way. And I think the whole definition of digital CS and scaling has really evolved in these past years, as well as people's perception of what it is and the level of, not hierarchy, but I, I would have thought before, I've had people before think, oh, you know, you want to build this out. Sure, we can get you some associate CSMs or junior people to kind of help create this type of stuff. And and now it's, no, if I want to build this out, I need the best of the best on our team. I want the SMEs, the product managers, the senior CSMs on yeah. these projects, because this content, these these motions and programs that we're building out, these are going to impact all of our customers and they are going to have such a transformational impact. And it's really impl- amplifying, I guess, the voice of these really strong, solid individuals. And so I think that's just been an interesting thing is seeing people, especially on the individual like contributor side that previously kind of shunned the idea of digital CS or (laughs) of being on kind of these emerging teams as being something that was like, oh, okay, I'll start here, but I'm going to work my way up to enterprise someday as kind of being the longer term goal. And I'm seeing that flip a little bit of people really understanding that there's a specialization and a really creative side to scaling motions and being able to be a part of building that out is something that is, it is hard and it is exciting and it's really fun and, and people are, more and more people are wanting to be a part of that.
1: Yeah, no, it's, it's exciting. Julie, this has been, I'm so inspired by your journey, you know, just how driven and relentless you are and, and how deep you are as a leader. And I'm excited to see where you go and, and, and how you grow. And I would love to, to wrap up the episode with what I call a rapid fire round where basically okay. ask you a question and you give me your top of mind 30 second answer okay awesome well first question i have here is there a book that comes to mind that has had uh, a particular impact in your life or in your career
0: yes i will all give you a few i know this is not rapid fire not what i should be <laughs> doing but switch which is about kind mm. of change management amp it up and five dysfunctions of the team
1: don't say great books i i've read two of the three of them actually topic. Also awesome. Next question: In the last, I would say six months to a year, is there a particular in- investment that that you made? Whether it's a relationship, a physical thing that you bought that totally enhanced your productivity? Yeah, any investments that you made recently that have made a difference?
0: Okay. One of my favorite purchases, which is a service, not necessarily a purchase, but I have had organizers, professional organizers come to my house and they helped us with our move as we moved into a new home. But then they keep coming back because my kids and I keep messing everything (laughs) up. And so they keep coming and fixing everything that we mess up. But that has been really incredible to kind of shift the mindset from what more do we want to buy? And instead say, you know what? I'm content, I'm happy with what I have, but I just want it to be organized. I just want it to be accessible in a way that we can use it better.
1: Yeah, yeah, I love that. You know, as as a parent of two girls, you know, keeping things organized, it's a challenge, right? But It really is. When things are organized, it's crazy that, I don't know about you, but I can think more clearly, you know, like you feel like there's room for more, right? Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Next question here. Any habit that you are working on or developing in the recent year
0: yeah, so i I started my new job actually last Halloween, and that for me was a real reset in owning my calendar and my time mm-hmm. and I owe some of this to just really good leadership that that allows me to have kind of the flexibility and autonomy, but also to the fact that I live in an eastern time zone and my company is mostly in California so that has allowed me to get back into a practice of working out every day and really prioritizing that, that morning family time working out. And then by the time I'm sitting down, I'm still sitting down hours before, I guess, most of my colleagues. But I think that's really allowed me to just having that time where I'm starting off my day really focused on my family and focused on my own health and wellness has been really healthy for me.
1: And that it's important to do, make time for self care so that you can exactly. serve others. And last question here, Julie: Any last words or takeaways that you have for people in the audience that you yep. know come from underrepresented backgrounds, and they might be looking to pivot into tech or maybe grow into their careers in tech?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I, I love that question because I think it it truly takes a village and we're all in this together. And so my biggest piece of advice is to not be afraid to reach out to people and ask for help. That was one of the biggest ways that, that I got my foot in the door in tech and found my way to customer success was asking complete strangers to go to coffee with me or to give me advice or asking them to make recommendations or introductions for me. And so that's something that I spend a decent amount of my time, my out-of-work time is mentoring and coaching and working with different individuals. And so just recognizing that we're all humans, I think it's easy to look at somebody on LinkedIn and think, oh my gosh, so you mentioned Jay Nathan Mm -hmm. earlier, and he's somebody that I had on this pedestal as not not a real human. And then I got to know him as a person. And I mean, I've had times where I reached out to him and said, hey, I'm building out this business case for how we scale. Can I pick your brain on this? And mm-hmm. he immediately was like, here's my Calendly link. Let's chat through it's... this. And I think <laughs> just not being afraid to ask people for help and support as you're kind of going through whatever stage of your journey you're in.
1: That's an amazing advice, Julie. Thanks so much for joining and sharing your story. I appreciate you. And uh, yeah, looking forward to doing another episode yeah, and catching up down the road.
0: Absolutely. Thank you so much.
1: All right, I hope you enjoyed this episode and thank you so much for listening all the way through. I appreciate you and I hope that you got some valuable information that you can apply to your personal and professional life. If this story resonated with you and you would like to support the podcast, please make sure to subscribe so you don't miss out on any future episodes. Thank you so much for the opportunity. I appreciate you and I look forward to serving you in the next episode.